Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome to the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond we're gonna do something a little bit different this evening we're actually doing a uh, we're having a discussion episode and we're gonna have a returning guest it's mr nate at retro gaming dev himself welcome to the show sir welcome back i should say well thanks for having me back i guess my your my first impression wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Mr. Wallace Phelps is probably going to join us at some point tonight. He's at uh, a, a birthday party for for his daughter tonight. And uh, so we kind of got all of our, our wires crossed on trying to get this episode done. And it's only been a, a week, uh, uh, two weeks since we've done a regular episode. I've already forgotten how to start the episode out we already had a false start <laughs> and uh it's it's crazy how fast that stuff goes away when you don't do it on a uh, regular basis it has been a bit since we've done a normal episode it seems like longer i know it does it's only been two weeks feels like a month but then again it does. i don't know what if if you guys experience time differently this year but it it's weird like a day will sometimes seem like forever and like a month will seem like it just goes right by like it's such a weird a weird year yeah i'm in this weird like where every day is kind of the same i'm working from home so (laughs) you know it's just very very strange times for sure yeah but yeah for me it just depends on what exactly i'm doing 
you know, like I do certain things on certain days, so that's really the best way that I personally can take to be like, oh, well, today's Thursday or today's Friday. Other than that, like I'd have no clue. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. It's almost like every day is the same now. <laughs> um, and COVID doesn't help and then everything, I don't know, it's weird. Everything closes at like 8 o'clock now and it's just, I don't like it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a grocery shopper who likes to go in the middle of the night when no one else is there. And now I have to go during the day with the other, with the others. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a cool plot of a short film. Yeah, <laughs> man, we should write that. You think uh, it's some sci-fi movie? Like, no, it's just about grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Nate, um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself uh, in case they didn't hear the last episode you were on. Uh, you're kind of an indie game developer, and then all that kind of stuff. So, tell everybody a little bit about your background. Sure thing, yeah. I mean, uh, so my day job, I'm a web developer, which is pretty boring when you actually get down to it. But uh, on the side, I like to do a lot of different things uh, related to retro gaming. Um, one of the big things I'm working on is a retro, I'm, I'm developing a retro game called 100 Hearts that is very much taking a lot of inspiration from games that I've, that I've played in my youth and, and kind of trying to incorporate that in. And I'm at the same time learning game game development, so it's kind of a learning process too. So, um, and besides that, I like to I try to put to put together videos, put on YouTube and other places, write some reviews over at like the Well Read Mage, um, things like that. So I just I just like to kind of engross myself in the retro gaming community as much as I can. So you have a really good YouTube channel, so everybody go follow Retro Gaming Dev on youtube and go watch some yeah, of his thanks. videos yeah look up uh nate's retro plays and i think you should be able to track it down that way so. uh what's the patreon too that you have for your retro game uh it's slash retro gaming dev so so everything patreon. they can they can find everything at retro gaming dev that's what that's what i've been trying to do to keep it all uniform <laughs> oh yeah i've been trying to do the same thing with jfunktastic wherever you type in jfunktastic that's where my i was where i'll be there you go but um, our discussion tonight, I, I thought we, it would be interesting if we got together and uh, kind of had some different viewpoints on uh, the, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the Nintendo. Because that game gets, it's kind of gotten a resurgence the last, I'd say the last year. A lot of people have been speedrunning it on, uh, on Twitch. And it's been getting a lot of love from the retro game community because I think a lot of people, uh, including myself... Um, I have got become way more fond of that game the older I've gotten. And um, I start to really, over the past couple of years, I started to, to understand like some of the nuances in the game, some of the stuff they were, they were going for. And some of the stuff that I, I really felt was overwhelming or, you know, I didn't think was good as a kid, I actually don't mind as an adult. And I'm like, ah, that's pretty cool. Um, because and I want to start out by each of us kind of talking about our first experiences with the game, the first impressions with the game. And, um, it, it was one of those games that of course it came out in, hold on, I got the Wikipedia page. It was released. 1989. Yeah. 1989, um, by Konami under the ultra games imprint. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with, uh, the, the practices that Nintendo had, back in the 80s, as each publisher was only allowed to do three games per year um, under the, the contracts with Nintendo. So in order to get around that, all the game companies would start these subsidiaries, like Ultra was a subsidiary of Konami. 
and they got the the Ninja Turtles license. <clears throat> and at the time, Ninja Turtles wasn't really. I mean, it was going pretty strong, but I don't think at the time they really knew how huge it was really going to be. Um, yeah, it was definitely right at the beginning of the Ninja Turtle-like craze. Because yeah. I think the cartoon uh, started in 87, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we the same year that this came out, we got the TMNT arcade game, which mm-hmm. was kind of a big deal, too. So. It was kind of like right at that like very introductory phase where everyone was going nuts about Ninja Turtles. So, mm-hmm. and so when this game came out, it was I remember this game being a, a hot game to have as a kid, and um, I got this game as a kid because I was a huge uh, fan of the cartoon series as a kid. I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan as a kid. I was there day one when it hit the theaters in 1990. Like I had the toys, everything. I watched it every afternoon after school. So when the game came out, you know, I was a huge fan of the arcade game. And um, when this came out on the Nintendo, I was really excited. But once I got the game home, started to play it, like this was one of those games that usually when I was a kid, I would like to rent a game before asking for a game for a birthday or Christmas or spending hard-earned you know, grass cutting money on a game because games were, you know, 30 to 40 bucks even back then. That was a lot of money. And so this was one of those games I bought without even renting it first. Like, I just went and bought it. Like, you know, begged my mom to take me to Kmart so I could buy Ninja Turtles. Got it home and was immediately kind of disappointed in the game because it was not like um, the, the, the arcade game. It had weird enemies in it. Um, I didn't like the physics of the game. Uh, I felt it was a little too hard, especially the, the dam area, which is so early in the game. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like the, 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 it, it felt later in the game because I didn't play this game for years, like probably from 1990 to, you know, uh, probably 2015 or so. I didn't touch this game at all. And uh, it felt like that damn part was so much later in the game, but it wasn't. It was uh, it was pretty early in the game, and that was a hard part to get through. So this game kind of left the NES and went on the shelf and was not played again for a long, long time. Yeah, my, my experience is probably very similar to yours. Um, I think by the time this was coming out, I had already played the arcade game. And so I kind of had some expectations set there, which, you know, obviously the arcade games were way better than anything the NES could do, but still kind of had this like, you know, somewhat of an expectation of what they might come up with. And then um, I I wasn't able to buy it, but I was able to, our our rental store down the road had one copy of it. And I think every single kid in our neighborhood wanted it. So (laughs) it took like, I don't know, it, it felt like a month of waiting for my turn to actually get the rental and i remember constantly calling the uh the rental store i think it was mr movies was the name of it um 
calling them probably daily, bugging them. Hey, is Ninja Turtles there? Is Ninja Turtles there? I'm sure the the clerks there just hated hated me. But... Oh, I I remember those days, <laughs> <laughs> the, those heady but days I'm... of having yeah, to call yeah. the so... the video store. Is Terminator Two in yet? <laughs> yep, yep. So, and then when I finally got my shot, when I finally got the rental. I was like so pumped. I called my best friend over. We sat down and we played it. And it was like, hold on, what is this? You know, like, what is this game? This is this is completely different than anything I expected. Because, I mean, you have to remember, this is a time where we didn't have the internet. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, you know, I couldn't look up a gameplay video of a game ahead of time to get an idea what it was like. It's just like, you're just dumped into something you don't even know what it is, other than just the name of it. And, yeah, um, yeah All... it was... All we had you to know, go off of it was tiny little screenshots on the back of the packaging. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I was definitely in the... I, I think we ended up probably having some fun with it, but I was definitely in, like, the disappointed camp. You know? Yeah. I think most people were. I, I remember almost every one of my friends owned this game, but it was one of those games that no, none of us ever played, really, after the, the first initial play you know, first couple of days of playing it and then finally just being like, man, I can't do this and moving on to something else. Yeah, that's kind of where I was in my limited experience of playing it because I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I never actually owned an NES. The first console that I ever owned was a Super Nintendo. The only experience I had with playing an NES was at my aunt's house. Mm -hmm. And the only games that she had were the Mario Duck Hunt combination... (laughs) and Legend of Zelda. But I did play this game at the dentist office when I was a kid because there was an NES there, and one of those games was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And much like you, Jason, I was huge into Ninja Turtles. The live-action movie is the first movie I remember seeing in theaters as a kid. Mm. Everything from the toys, the cartoon, all of it, like I had to have my hands on everything Ninja Turtles, much like a lot of other kids from that generation. Yeah. So yeah, I see a couple of games for the NES that I had never played at the dentist office, and one of those being Ninja Turtles. Now, I had played the arcade game at, at this point, because this is probably... The, the Super Nintendo was already out by then, but the dentist office still had the NES. I'd already played the arcade game before and loved it. It's still my all-time favorite arcade game I've ever played. Yeah. So I plug in Ninja Turtles, and I'm like, oh, Ninja Turtles, this is cool. And then I start playing it, and I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't the arcade game. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I start <laughs> playing it, and it's, you know, I, I kind of get into it. Like, it's not that bad. And then, of course, I get to the damn level, and was like, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. And I think I beat it one time in my entire life. But then from there, I just never played it that much until until recently. And it was honestly your... A Twitch stream of this game that kind of got me into it. So I started playing it a little bit more, and I'm like, you know what? And I know you've talked about it for years on the show about how the game has gotten much more hate than it should. Mm-hmm. And after playing through it again and watching your streams, I would have to agree. You know, because the thing is, as as a kid, I remember um, once the uh, Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, came out, for the NES, like, that was my jam. Like, I remember renting that game for, like, three weekends in a row. Oh, yeah, Um, that was a good one. That was great. But the thing is, I feel like that one's aged way more 
poorly than the first I, one. I totally agree. Because now that one, it, it, it was like, I don't know, at the time it was great, but now it's almost kind of monotonous to play through it. Yeah. There's <laughs> not a lot of variety to the gameplay mm -hmm. or the enemies or anything. It's just kind of the same thing over and over. And yeah, but when, when I was a kid, one of my friends had that. And that's like all we did for like an entire summer was play the number two, the arcade game on the NES. And mm -hmm. it was, I mean, somehow it, it just entranced us. But well, well that was... it followed that formula too, because yeah. Turtles in Time came out for the Super Nintendo, <clears throat> which was very similar to the arcade game. Yeah, and and that was the thing is like that was the that was what we wanted at the time. We wanted that that arcade experience when we got the first Ninja Turtles game, and it, that wasn't it. What we got was yeah. so a weird side scroller that you know had enemies that weren't on the show, but and then come to find out like oh these are enemies from the the comic book, and that's. It's really what the game is. It's it's a combination of, you know, the comic books and the uh, the cartoon series. And one of the things was when I was a kid, I didn't understand like the map system and the, you know the uh, how to navigate the overworld once you get to that bigger section after the dam. And I think that's where I kind of lost interest as a kid. Was like I I just didn't get that map system. But once I played it again. Um, whenever it was, you know, like 2016 or so, right around the time we started this show, I started playing that game again. And finally, as an adult, that map system finally clicked in my head and I was like, Oh, I get it now. And then I started to notice the nuances in the game, you know, like between the turtles, you've got Donnie who has the longest reach and he's the most powerful turtle. But he also can't handle like up close like flying enemies all that well. But you've got Raphael who doesn't have a long reach, but he's great with taking care of, you know, the the flying enemies. And then you have Leonardo who is sort of in between the two. And then you have Mikey who is just basically cannon fodder in the game because he's not really good at anything. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the neat thing about this game is. I, you know, we kind of talked about it already, but like, I, I don't think we were ready for it yeah. back then when it came out. It was kind of, I, I, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it was definitely like a little bit headier than I was expecting it. I don't know how old you were, but I think I was like nine or 10 when I played uh, it. So, if it came out in 89, I was 12 at the time. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just like we weren't quite ready for that yet. But now going back to it, all of those different features that kind of, that you kind of talked about, about the different turtles being, you know, having different abilities and then you roll in, they have the different power-ups you can get, mm -hmm. different secondary weapons. Um, and then the map and everything else, you kind of have, it's kind of like there's a different, you can like take a different strategy almost with it every time you play it. Yeah. I mean, there's not like, it's not like wildly var varying or anything like that, but there's definitely, you have some choices involved that actually can change how you go about each level. And it's kind of neat that way. So. Yeah. And and the game is built for speed running. I mean, there are optimal um, paths that you can take throughout the game like you can just bypass most most of the map and go straight for your objective but i think a lot of the fun of the game is especially if you're a new player to it is the exploration aspect to it uh, you know you have this semi open world um you know overhead view of the game which 
not a lot of games did that back then. You know, like the only other game I can think of that did that sort of thing was Zelda 2. And I'm not a huge fan of that game, but, um, you know, kind of the, the, the Turtles just, it's a different kind of game and you don't see it that, that kind of gameplay very much on the, on the, the first, you know, the Nintendo entertainment system. No, you don't. And kind of going back to what you guys were saying about the little nuances of the original Ninja Turtles game, you didn't get that with the arcade game with Turtles in Time because the Turtles aren't really that different. You you just pick Raphael or Donatello because that's your favorite, but there's really no difference in the arcade game because it's really just a a button masher because they do kind of the same thing. But with this, you have different areas you can explore like you said each turtle has its different abilities and you have to use specific turtles to do specific things so i i I would say that it was ahead of its time Mm -hmm. in that sense and it's definitely one of those games that you know as an adult you can appreciate it more like i think if this game were to come out now it would be much more well received than it was when it originally came out in 89 yeah, and you hit the nail on the head too, especially when it came to like part two and even uh, Manhattan Project to some degree. Um, I think they kind of perfected it a little more with Manhattan Project, especially with like the uh, the secondary, uh, like the super moves that you can do in Manhattan Project. You know, and and Turtles two, the arcade game. None of the turtles really have. Um, any kind of differences between them. It doesn't really matter who you pick. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just palette swaps on that one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But in the first game, it's very important to uh, be able to get through certain areas. There's a certain strategy that you have to do, and I think that's the beauty of what they did in that first game, of being able to switch between the turtles on the fly, because you may start out the level using, you know, Donnie, but then you have to switch to, um, you know, Raphael to be able to to get past certain enemies and then switch back to Donatello. And I think that's a lot of the strategy of the game is just kind of memorization, knowing what turtle is good at doing what. And once you kind of figure all that, that kind of, that stew out of everything that they put into the game, it becomes a much more enjoyable experience. So on that note, what was everyone's probably most used turtle? Mine, I think, was Donatello. You, his reach kind of makes it super. Yeah. I mean, that's like a superpower almost, you know. Um, well, as a kid, I, I played Leonardo a lot just because, you know, he seemed like the most obvious turtle to use because he's got swords and he's got a pretty good reach. But as an adult going through most of the game, I'm going to use Donatello as much as I can because he's just, he's a beast with that bow. (laughs) I would agree. As a kid, what limited I did play it, it was always Leonardo because he always felt like the most, like, all-around balanced character to me. But playing through it as an adult, I would definitely say Donatello when needed. But for the most part, I'd still use Leonardo just for those same reasons. Yeah. I know I, no. I, as much as I, I love Michelangelo, I rarely use them cuz he's not really good at much in that game. No, he's not. He's good at the damn level. So. Yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> the only time you use him. That's why I say he's just pretty much he's cannon fodder for that damn level. 
So yeah, so talking about the levels a little bit. So I'm assuming not everyone who's listening has probably played it. It goes through six six main areas, and um, each area, except for the last one, I think, has an overworld, mm-hmm. and then each one has like a side scrolling or or potentially multiple side scrolling sections. Um, and the dam level that we keep referring to, that's an area too. And I remember as a kid, that one really, you kind of talked about it already, but it, it really threw me for a loop. And that was like super difficult. And I remember when we like finally beat it, we thought we beat the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we thought we had, we had beat the game entirely. And really it was. <laughs> that's just a little bit beginning. Know. Yeah, right. It's only area number two. It's like, holy yeah. moly. So, um, yeah, it w- but beyond that, I mean, was there is there a level that you guys? Uh, I mean, obviously the dam level when we were kids was hard, but um, is there a level that you feel is really difficult? Um, as I, yeah, as an adult now, as an adult, and you can go probably go back and watch some of my past streams on Twitch. I, there's a place I refer to as the room that I find to be the hardest part of the game, and there's this one room. That is, um, it's, it's actually, it's, it's in, uh, one of the sewer sections in the, uh, the landing field or the, uh, Mm. the, uh, the airport. And you're trying to get to, uh, the next area will, would be, um, the giant, uh, mouser. And there's a room area right before you get to him. That is one of the most difficult areas I think has been in, in any level in any Nintendo game. That's that has all the conveyor belts, right? Yes, with the with the mm-hmm. conveyor belts, and there's uh, flying enemies, and there's uh, flames uh, like uh, coming out of the floor that if you touch them, it's instant death. And oh, that's God. that's pretty much the hardest area of the game. Wasn't that the one where like I was on the stream with you? Yes. And I just, I, I still, I have so much trouble getting through that room. <laughs> if I remember right, though, didn't you figure out a way to avoid it? Uh, no, you still have to go through that room in, oh, do, okay. in order to get to uh, the mouser. And, and you you really need that room, too, because it's one of the last places to get scrolls before mm-hmm. you reach endgame. Because in order to defeat uh, Shredder... You need scrolls. You either need Donnie at full health or scrolls, one of the two. I remember the cool thing about you know the, the one time that I did beat the dam level was once you get to stage three, you can actually um, rescue a captured turtle. Yeah. Because I remember finding that for the first time, and it was... Uh, if you remember that scene in Jurassic Park when the raptor learns how to open the door, yeah, <laughs> that 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 was my reaction when I realized that. So, I I haven't play, made it nearly as far as you guys, so it's my answer would still be the damn level, just because I I have you know just limited experience actually playing it and making it past it. I, I think yeah, the I problem... mean I think that's most people's thoughts on it too. The damn level. I mean, even when I talked about it on Twitter, this, I've been playing through it some of it the last couple weeks here in preparation and everyone when i bring it up there they I, there's at least like five people who say something about the damn level yeah. you know what i mean well i think the problem with that level is you know you start the game out you're in this <clears throat> you know the first little section the overworld you go down into the sewer and you're in a side scroller and then you get through all this you go to the dam you do more side scrolling and then all of a sudden you're you're in this whole 
different area, you know, part of the game where you, you know, the physics are different and there's no kind of build up to it. It's just, you're kind of just thrown into this, you know, trying to, to learn the, the physics of trying to, to swim, you know, get through the, the electric little barriers and not get hit and then try to, um, you're, you're under a timer and that, you know, that creates anxiety, which, you know, makes you make more mistakes of course, you got the one really bad area in there with all the different uh, electrical, um, the seaweed in there, and you know you got this timer counting down, and the music's getting faster, and it's just kind of like an anxiety-inducing um, hellscape <laughs> in a video game, and I think it's just all that combined just kind of just made it for. They should have saved that for later in the game, I think. Yeah, I yeah, agree. And they, sure. and they don't really give you any sort of like pre-knowledge of mm-hmm. any of the elements in the dam level. So you don't know that. I mean, you find out pretty quickly, but you don't know that the seaweed hurts you and you don't know yeah. that that other special kind of seaweed grabs you and pulls you out of the level. I mean, there's like no there's nothing really giving you any cues on that until you just do it. <laughs> and you don't do anything like that for the rest of the game either. Yeah, it's it's like this one off little crazy level that just feels so so off from the rest of the game i really think they could have just done without that that part altogether yeah i would agree with that not to interrupt the conversation but mr phelps is requesting that you add him to the chat okay let me uh add him let's see the real big wall coming down the aisle there he is Wally Phelps. <laughs> Mr. Phelps. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us tonight. I had to come in and say everything that you've said so far is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those of you who are not familiar, uh, Mr. Wallace Phelps is one of my oldest friends. Uh, we've done lots of podcasts together, and he's also the official fact checker for the Nerd Cave Retro Show, and also he does all of our commentary episodes with us. And uh, I invited him on for this discussion because he is going to bring the hate to the discussion <laughs> from the, uh, the the positivity that we've all kind of brought so far. I mean, we ha- we've had our own uh, you know negative reviews of uh, the parts of the game we don't like, but Wally, Tell us about your kind of, if you remember your first experience with the game. Oh, I, I of course I remember. I'll never forget. <laughs> it was Christmas. Shortly after Christmas, in fact, because my parents came into my room with a nicely shrink-wrapped box of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. saying that Santa Claus had accidentally left it in the sleigh. (laughs) And I think it was because he knew that I wouldn't like it. Mm. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why. Let's hear it. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are robots in this game. They have no motion. They just kind of, it's like, it's like tank controls, but not in 3D. (laughs) They just kind of shuffle along like a real turtle would be. 
I didn't sign up for real turtles. I want the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, I think that was one big thing I was disappointed about in this first game was it's only weapon use. And there's no kicking, no punching, no no martial arts of any kind. It's just that let's it's strictly weapon use. It it seems to me like the weapons weren't even well defined. I mean, yes, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. I don't know why you would choose Raphael over Donatello because of how long the reach is with those weapons. Well, we had but, talked about that because each turtle kinda that's kind of the strategy of the game is to know which turtle to switch to win because you've got Donatello, who's obviously got the strongest attacks, but he's also the slowest, but he has the longest reach. You've got Leonardo, who's kind of uh, the all-round, you know, the Mario character. You know, he's the all-round character that you pick. You've got Raphael, who is good against flying enemies, and then you've got Mikey, who is the damn level uh, cannon fodder. Since if you could just sw- if they didn't throw all of the villains at you at the same time, <laughs> it does get overwhelming at times. Especially yeah. some of the enemies, they have very strange movement patterns, and um, there's there's almost a lot of randomness to some of the mm-hmm. movement. Which I mean is neat, but it's hard to always get those patterns down well there's an that's another thing about this game too is um each time you go to through the game each time you go through a level um the the characters are never the same i mean there's like different character types and each time you go through a level um they could be different and that's what makes this game challenging especially for speedrunners is the enemies might not be the same the next time you go back through an area or you know you play a game through one time could be you know one way but the next time you play through it could be completely different with a different set of characters in you know in each area and again that makes the character selection completely superfluous well that's why you can change uh you can change turtles on the fly well, okay, but at the same time, if I'm fighting three different characters in the same panel, I don't want to keep doing that. <laughs> eh, true. You are way too forgiving. 
Well, <laughs> the thing I've learned Turtles about this game move. is <laughs> they can't use their weapons. They all might as well be armed you know, with fly waters of various lengths. <laughs> I, I am totally with Wally on the fact that they move very slowly. It almost um, it almost makes me think of playing Castlevania. Yeah, in that yeah. regard. I mean, yeah, I love, yeah. And I, I love Castlevania, and I love actually that part of Castlevania, that kind of slow lumbering movement, and the, it, it's part of the it's part of the game itself. It's part of like its identity is it, that's mm-hmm. one of the struggles in the game is that you're not super, you know, dexterous, but I expect a Ninja turtle <laughs> to be fast moving and like doing karate kicks and flying around with like ease, kind of like Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. It's not quite to that level. So it doesn't quite live up to the, to the Ninja or the Ninja turtle name in that regard. But you know, it's one of those things, I guess you got to kind of suspend your, just your belief. So so right. would it just be Teenage Mutant? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Teenage Mutant Turtles, yes. <laughs> so, you know, I, the past year or so, I've been watching a lot of uh, speedrunners on Twitch and YouTube and going back and watching speedrunners um, for various games that I, I like, like Batman and uh, Ninja Gaiden, and of course the Ninja Turtles. And watching speedrunners play through Ninja Turtles, I've started to learn what enemies I can just... You know, some enemies, you know, you go to these screens and there's like, you know, 15. And that's that's the notorious thing about this game, too, is they put so many enemies on the screen at one time. This game is notorious for its slowdown. Yeah. And um, that's a thing I, I learned watching speedrunners is sometimes you can just jump over one of the enemies and you can just bypass all those enemies altogether. You don't even need to touch them. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's no real. It, sometimes it's better to just be like, nah. Yeah. And I'm sometimes good. You, sometimes you can even game it a little bit where you might have a row of those flying guys kind of going above you, mm-hmm. and if you, uh, I can't remember which stage it's in, but there's one part where you, if you kill them all right away and jump through the level, you end up having to fight a bunch of like the medium difficulty guys, like it might be the boomerang guys. Yeah. I think it typically was at least on the run I was on and there was like two of them right by a ladder and it was pretty hard to deal with them. But if you didn't kill those guys that were flying at the top of the screen and just followed them through the level because they were in the game, uh, the other guys at the end of that, that area don't spawn in. So Hmm. it actually ended up being a lot easier to like let them live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of areas in this game too, that you can kind of do, you know, the little Ninja Gaiden tricks where you have some pretty tough enemies, but you kind of nudge the screen a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And those enemies will disappear. Especially later in the game, like the jetpack guys. You ever notice that you don't even have to jump at certain points? Yeah, you just, <laughs> like the one weird gap. You gracefully you just hover over. You just walk, yeah, you just right, walk over. right across it. <laughs> and how many times did we die, or not die, but how many times did we try jumping over that before we learned that? that oh, God. That killed me as a kid. That was one of the worst. worst well, things. you see a gap in your natural inclination is to jump. You have yeah. to jump. Yeah. And well, then you've got to go all the way through all those. <laughs> what well, is a lot uh, of sections? Bad guys at the bottom level. Yep. Yeah, well, there's a lot of sections in the sewers, too, where, you know, me and Nate were talking before. Before we even started on his uh, on on his uh, YouTube um, 
episodes about this game. You know, there's one gap like right there at the dam level, right before you go down in the water, you're trying to get to the top of the dam. And there is that gap that you just kind of have to just nudge yourself over, you know, just there's you one, one <laughs> pixel perfect spot. Yeah. You have to be standing on when you make the jump. And you just have you to can't tap do it, it from a stop. You have to be moving. Mm-hmm. And cause there's, there's just enough room to jump up in the air hit the ceiling and arc over to the other side. But if you don't get that one pixel perfect spot, you're going to fall in. And it, and I think I did it. I edited it down on YouTube, but it took me, <laughs> I don't know, like seven or eight tries yeah. to get, get through that and finally get it. And I was just like, I, I didn't even know what to do with myself. I was about to give up. So, But even down in the sewer, there are some jumps like that, um, that you just kind of have to just tap yourself over, not like a full on jump, but just a little tap jump. To get over. And then as a kid, you know, like like that one gap that you can just walk over, there are certain sections in the in the sewers where I would try to jump from, you know, a little tiny platform to little tiny platform. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I can just walk across these. I don't have to jump. <laughs> I remember there being one portion of your um your Twitch stream that I joined you on when you did that and I was just like, What? <laughs> what what voodoo did you just pull off? Yeah, that, I, that's how I felt too. Once I was just like, "Oh, you can just walk over these," <laughs> like that's evil. That's an evil thing to do to a kid. Oh yeah, they knew what they were doing. I mean, I, I think I think they intentionally like made this kind of like back, you know, backwards, you know, just to mess with us. So. I like to think the developers were just developing that part, and they're just like laughing amongst themselves. Yeah. Like so yeah. many people are going to screw this up, <laughs> right? Uh, well, you know, the way I feel about the whole thing is that I think that they didn't think too much about this game to begin with. You know, no. I, I think I it wonder. was just a bit of shovelware that was <laughs> put out there on the market to capitalize on a brand new show that just came out. And then a year later, they actually put in the effort and made the arcade game. That's kind of what I was going to say. I, I kind of I don't think it was, but it almost at times feels like this game didn't originally start as a Ninja Turtle game, that it was something else. And then they kind of adapted to that. Cause I think there are some enemies in the game that aren't even in the comic or the TV show. Yeah. Right. They were just kind of like making things up that they thought would be thematically correct. But it, it feels like a game that was reskinned sometimes. Not that it that's necessarily does. a terrible thing, but it definitely like you can feel that. So yeah. Yeah. Almost like a, a doki doki panic situation (laughs) where it's like we got this game and four characters what do we do well i mean that's entirely possible you know i mean they could have been like you said developing something else and all of a sudden konami comes into the ultra offices and says hey we got this new property called ninja ninja turtles uh whatever you're working on make this that game and they had to reskin everything but at the same time i feel like that too because Ultra was their shovelware developer that they used to get around the the yeah. limitations of how many games you could develop for the Nintendo at the same time. But I, I also feel like the things that they did in this game, uh, you know, the the level of detail that they put into this game and the level, like you, this is a beautiful game. You know, like you look at the level design and you know you, the overworld and and. You know, the the artwork that went into even just, you know, the from the bricks in the sewers, there there's no wasted space in this mm-hmm. game. Everything looks good, and 
you know, what they were trying to do might have been a little too ambitious for what they were going for, but I think they did put a lot of, you know, love and attention into this game. It just didn't, it just, because it was Ninja Turtles, I think it came out as way more disappointing than it should should have been. Right. Well, you do have that expectations because Ninja Turtles was so popular at the time that it was almost like it couldn't be anything but a disappointment because yeah. expectations are so high. It, it just seems so random whenever I, when the first time I played the game, it kind of reminded me of the Who Framed Roger Rabbit video game. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Yeah. But it had that overworld where you drove Benny the Cab and you kind of didn't know where you were going. And that that kind of, whenever I saw that, I'm like, oh no, is it going to be another Roger Rabbit? Now, in fairness, it's not as bad as Roger Rabbit was. <laughs> well, we talked about that earlier, too. You know, as I, I did not know how to use, you know, the, for the whole second part of the game, after you get past the dam, you've got the whole open world. Uh, you know, laid out before you in the the overhead section. And as a kid, I had no idea how to read that map system. But as a, yeah. as I got older, I was like, oh, I get it now. And it made the game so much better once I learned how to use how to read that map system. Well, and and that is true. I mean, there are some concepts in the game that you know, as a kid, you did. The thing with Nintendo game, well, this Nintendo game specifically, is that you're you're used to being able to pick them up and play them without any instruction. Mm-hmm. And in this particular instance, it just seemed like there wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I, I really think I need to be told what to do here, and it just didn't happen. So you, I think that actually contributes to the way people feel about its difficulty. I mean, aside from the infamous uh, dam level, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that contributed to it because up to that point, it was just, well, how am I supposed to be playing this? Yeah. And then after the dam level, everything just seemed to become far more cohesive, if that makes sense. It's yeah. Like, what was, okay, I know what I'm doing now. We had mentioned but, that too earlier that it felt like the damn level just not only did it come way too early in the game and it was too much of a a shift in what you were expecting out of the game like you start off as this, you know, kind of overworld and then you go into the side scrolling parts and then all of a sudden it's like I I have to figure out how to swim with currents and all this stuff going on and a timer and I like my anxiety is going through the roof. Like, I right. feel like if they would have just not added that damn level or just put it, put that as the end of the game, you know, or like you have to get through the damn level and then fight shredder on top of the dam or something like that. Like that would have made more sense to me and maybe had another, another level that got you used to, swimming and and doing certain things but it just kind of just came out of nowhere and it was too early in the game to do that if if it even fit at all no i agree with that it reminds me a little bit of and and that was the last episode i was on with you guys was is battletoads how the pacing on that game is also very weird where it's like the super difficult level 
levels pretty early in the game. And um, yeah, they did it here too. And it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I I think if I, I'd love to see somebody, you know, there's so many people modding, you know, modding old games. They'll, you know, hack, hack the old games and kind of change them up and add new levels and stuff. I'd love to see somebody kind of refine this game a little bit and like make the level pacing a little bit more logical yeah um, i think it would be pretty cool so but i do well, think oh oh i'm sorry go ahead i was just going to go back to the damn level and uh go back to my earlier point about the limits of movement yeah they're turtles <laughs> they shouldn't have so much trouble swimming hey you're right <laughs> and another thing why do they uh why are they not able to swim if you fall in the water and the sewers that's Stop true. it! You're using logic. <laughs> that doesn't exist in video games. <laughs> but I don't know. I just honestly, I feel like I've I found much more love for the game and respect for the game the older I've gotten. I love playing the game now. Now that I understand how everything works, and I I personally feel like Part Two has aged poorly. The arcade game for the NES. Now, the Manhattan Project has definitely stood the test of time and it's a much better game than the arcade game but i don't know i just feel like the arcade game you know part two is has aged very very poorly for the nintendo you know i haven't played it in a long time i i've played the xbox live arcade port and that's closer to the arcade Mm -hmm. like the actual arcade so i really couldn't say what the quality level is yeah i'm with you jason on this one though yeah it's definitely uh i i find this game to be a lot of fun now and i i don't quite put it up there with some of my other absolute favorites like castlevania ninja gaiden metroid but it's like a, a step below those it's, yeah. it's definitely on on a recurring i play it quite frequently now that i own it so mm-hmm. um it, it's it's one of those where like the challenge is just enough that you, that you kind of want to keep coming back and, and pushing a little harder on it. And you, and you feel like you can improve yourself, which is always a good sign in the game. Um, it doesn't ever feel, I mean, there's, there's some, there's some, some cheap moments, I guess, but by hmm. and large, a lot of mistakes are things that are, you're doing to yourself. You yeah. Know? So it's well, a game that I think everyone who has poor memories of it should go back and revisit. Yeah, especially if you have a, you know, uh, a bit. Uh, if you're not a, a hardcore retro gamer, or you know, you had a Nintendo when you were young, and you're you're just kind of getting back into it, like you, you know, people that aren't really gamers but went and bought a, you know, a, an NES classic or something like. And just kind of like, eh, I'd like to play some more of these old games. Like, I really think it deserves a second look. Um, especially, like you said, for people that really dislike the game. I think if you go back and play it again um, with a little more skill, I guess. <laughs> Maybe a little more gamer maturity at this point. You'll find it a little a little more palatable than without that expectation of, oh, man... I loved the the arcade game when I played it at the skating rink. I'm I'm gonna go get that new Nin- <laughs> Turtles game from the Nintendo, and it's this, and it's nothing like the the arcade game. I think that's where a lot of the hate and disappointment came from for this game. 
definitely. No, yeah, that's I not agree. where mine came from. <laughs> no. <laughs> but Nate, I th- game wasn't even that when I got it. <laughs> I, I think you were right, though, Nate. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely up there in my favorites to play now, but I still have, you know, like, it's not up there with Super Mario 3 or, you know, 2, 3, and, and Zelda and Metroid and... Uh, you know, Mega Man 2 and Star Tropics, Ninja Gaiden, those are still also, like the top of my list. But this one comes in right behind those. Like, this is a really fun game that just, like you said, it's got that right amount of challenge that you're just like, oh man, it just makes you want to keep going. Yep. And not to mention, we didn't even really talk about, but the music in the game is like really good. I, I really oh, yeah. enjoy the soundtrack on this one. It's some of yeah, my I'm favorite not. NES music. Really? Oh. No, 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 no. I was going to say, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree because I'm, that is literally the best thing about this game. Yeah. Yeah. Like it has that, that pumping bass that, you know, and the, the, the compositions are so complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes tonally they're weird. You know, like the overview map, you know, it's like, wow, this yeah. is kind of chipper for what's happening. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, Konami always had some of the best soundtracks on the NES because they put that extra sound chip in the carts themselves to get more more sounds out of the Nintendo. So that's why right. they were able to do more layering and have better soundtracks. So you go back and you listen to... Castlevania and Contra and um, you know Gradius, like all those games, like have great soundtracks. And this game, being you know, even though it says Ultra, it's an it's a Konami game. That's why it has such great music. And I'm I'm gonna go out there and say this is probably in the top three best uh, NES soundtracks. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree uh, with that. You. Wait, top three? That's I'm, it's up there above I'd even it's a contender up there, whether or not it quite. Yeah, but it's definitely it's one of my favorites. I mean, especially that first song right on the title screen. That that thing is that's like perfect. It's it really good. is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's probably my top three would probably be Legend of Zelda. Uh, Super Mario Brothers three and and this. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad list. No, all good music. So, what about you, Nate? What would your your top three NES soundtracks be? Uh, I think my first choice would have to be Castlevania. I think the music in that game is just so so perfect for the game and mm-hmm. for the theme. And I just love listening to that soundtrack now still. Um, so, Castlevania is my number one. Um, I think number two is probably gonna be Legend of Zelda, just because that one theme song is just so iconic. Yeah. I can't. I think of Nintendo and I think of that song. And then, you know, the rest of them after that, it's kind of hard to pinpoint where my, my favorites lie. But um, the Mario games are always pretty good. And then, and then this one, again, falls kind of somewhere in there toward the top. The soundtrack on this one is just, it's really good. So, what and, about you? Yeah. I mean, I spend a lot of time listening to chiptune music. And, oh, yeah. 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 This I is love one it. Of my favorites. I love it when you uh, always share. Go go follow at Retro Gaming Dev on Twitter. He's always tweeting out like different chip tune stuff, and it's all great. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I, got... I uh, just a little bit of a almost tangent? <laughs> okay. Uh, you ever watch listen to the podcast? How did this get played? 
No. no I have not. <laughs> uh, it's it's like how did this get made, but video games where mm-hmm. it's a bad or weird video game and they play it and they talk about it. And every week their sound engineer rewrites the theme song to the show. It's the same theme song, mm-hmm. but in the style of the game they're playing. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, and I like that a lot. Glorious. <laughs> We need That's pretty amazing. we need a musician to do that for our show, Derek. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm not musical myself. I just like listening to this stuff. So. so, what about you, Derek? What would your top three NES soundtracks be? Zelda would definitely be number one. I, I just think that the op- the overworld theme is one of the most iconic songs in video game history. Um, I'm going to go with Mario Brothers two. I specifically love the boss theme mm-hmm. from from that game. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my third, I would probably, I mean, Ninja Turtles would be up there. But I'll probably say, I know I'm going two for three, but then I would throw Mario Brothers 3 as my third one. The music from that game is really good as well. Yeah. You know what we gotta mention in since we're talking about video game music is Metroid. That one is yes. very yeah. very good. So that's just one of those absolute perfect soundtracks, like that perfect for the game and setting the atmosphere. I don't think any game has ever been that perfect. Yeah, definitely. Um, but for my top three, definitely number one is Ninja Gaiden. Because I could listen to that. I actually do listen to that soundtrack all the time. They have the entire soundtrack uh, uh, on Apple Music. Straight from the game. Just nice. the, the entire soundtrack. Um, Castlevania, number two. Like you said, Nate, perfect for the, the creating the mood and the atmosphere of that game. And then, of course, my number three is Ninja Turtles. Crystalis probably comes in at number four. Crystalis has some great music, too. Yeah, it's a good one too. I, I haven't played that one as much, but it does have good music. So, mm-hmm. but uh, well, this was a fun conversation, you guys. Thank you for coming in and doing the roundtable with us. And uh, yeah. we should do this more often because I love roundtable discussions, especially like we. How many Ninja Turtles roundtable discussions have we done at this point, Derek? <laughs> Between this uh, show done, and your show, we've done this one, and I think we did the one for my show. We still got to do the one about the original movie. Yes. Yeah, which I watched the movie in preparation for it and never did the show. <laughs> my uh, my stomach decided that we would we were not to record that day. Well, I'm right. all for doing a commentary track for the uh, the original movie. I think uh, that would be good. We can do it as a uh, companion piece to the roundtable. I like it. Like after you listen to the roundtable on my show, head on over to, to Nerd Cave Retro and listen to the commentary track. <laughs> But definitely go listen. Definitely go listen to our jokes, our Street Fighter commentary that we released last week. And uh, if you haven't listened to that and watched Street Fighter, you're missing out because Street Fighter was probably uh, the most fun movie we've watched and done a commentary for so far. Absolutely, and coming soon to Pensacon, myself, Jason, and Wally in Bison smoking jackets. Yes. Uh, do we know anybody that can make those smoking jackets for us? All we need is some really gaudy like rugs <laughs> and and make some smoking jackets out of them. 
Hmm. Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much. Um, uh, Nate, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you again on the uh, the interwebs. Sure thing. Well, thanks, thanks for having me, first of all. This was a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, you can look me up on Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. But I spend primarily most of my time on Twitter. Uh, just search for Retro Gaming Dev. That's the tag I use everywhere. And yeah, just follow me. I, I'm I'm pretty low key everywhere. I'm mostly focused on video games, primarily retro gaming, and uh, every once in a while I'll talk about some game dev stuff. But I keep it pretty light. So, yeah. awesome. What about you, Mr. Phelps? Tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, the real big wall on Twitter. Uh, nobody ever follows me after I do these shows, uh, <laughs> which I think it's a crock of. whatever but uh there and also there is the great movie guide on facebook fantastic derek um anything you want to uh throw out there um what's going on with the derek diamond experience so i actually this is my third podcast that i've done today (laughs) so I, i pulled off the the podcast triple header uh i'm trying batch recording for my show just so i don't have to stress over you know, trying to get content out. But this week, I actually did a really fun live show over on Facebook where I recapped DC Fandom and also listed my top five live-action DC movies. Mm, but the audio nice. version will be out uh, as well. Same day this comes out, you can just head over to the Derek Diamond Experience on all your podcasting platforms, and you can follow me on social media at D-Diamond Podcast. Guys, that Batman trailer. woo Holy monkeys. Man. <laughs> I've watched it like five times. Man. I cannot wait for that movie. That looks I I've seen better. On, I wasn't sold on Robert Robert Pattinson, but I think I am now. So. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see Robert Pattinson, like if you want to pr- proven that he is a really good actor, watch The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. He is phenomenal in that movie. I always I've always liked him. Because, you know, whenever he was doing press for the Twilight movies, he never let on that he actually enjoyed himself. (laughs) Because he was bad mouth, not bad mouthing, but like, you know, it's like, yeah, this this movie's kind of dumb. (laughs) Dude, it was a paycheck. You know, everybody's got to pay rent. I'm an actor. It's a thing. Yeah. He just counts his money as he reads the hate on Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but once again, thank you guys. Uh, Derek, you want to do Patreon shout-outs before we go, uh, if you have the page open? Yeah, give me just a second to pull that up real quick. Because I, I can read them if you'd like me to. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Patreon shout-outs. These are the people who keep us above the $50 level uh, and give us money every month to keep the lights on here at the show. We want to give a shout-out to Armez Jackson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. The Mix Master, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, and Randy Bailey. Thank you guys for keeping us above that level. And if you want to help, if you like the show and you want to give us a buck or a couple bucks a month, keep us above that $50 level so we can do those commentary tracks for you, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and uh, throw us a couple bucks a month. So, guys... Let's call it a show, shall we? Let's. It's a show. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. 
We are at NerdCaveRetro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and individually at JFunktastic, at Derek underscore Diamond, at The Real Big Wall, and at RetroGamingDev. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And of course, like I said, we're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And also, if you can't do that, you can't leave us a buck a month, go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Oh, a fellow chucker, eh? <laughs> oh, a fellow chucker, eh? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.